the end of this last week, it was our kids' spring break, and we right now have a foreign exchange student from Italy, uh, Ginevra, and so we wanted to take Ginevra to a big city. St. Louis is a great city, the best city, uh, but there was some other good cities around, and so we wanted to take Ginevra to a big city, and so we took her to Chicago. And so we spent about 36 hours in Chicago doing the Chicago things. Uh, we went up into the Hancock Tower so we could see the city. Uh, we ate Chicago-style pizza. I'm sorry, I do think that's one thing that is better than St. Louis. I'm sorry, um, don't be mad at me. Uh, but man, we got some good uh, Giordano's pizza, and we had had a great night. We had got some ice cream after dinner, and we're walking the streets of Chicago uh, back to our hotel. And this man comes up, and he approaches me, and he begins to talk to me, and he kind of has this stick, like he begins to go through this thing that I know he probably tells every guy that walks by. And he says, man, those are some nice shoes. Those are some good shoes, but I see you have a little bit of scuffs on your shoes. And I'm thinking, yeah, these are like a Target $30 pair of shoes. Uh, they're not that nice, but sure, I'll have this interaction with you. And he says, you know, I could fix those. I just let me see your foot just for a minute. And, and everything in me is like, don't give him my foot. Don't give him my foot. Don't give him my foot. But he goes down on his knee and he's like, here, put your, put your foot right here. And so I... I put my foot on his knee, and he's like, I just want to show you something. And so he begins to polish my shoes, right? And it was about halfway through this first shoe, I thought, this dude just uh, suckered me into paying him to clean my, my shoes. And so he's done with the first shoe, and he begins onto the second shoe, and I kind of reach in my back pocket, and I begin to grab uh, just a couple of dollars that I'm going to give uh, Shoe Shine Dave. And so Dave's done with the first one, he's done with the, he's starting into the second one, and he's like, now, I just want to let you know that this is a $24 shoe shine, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm thinking, $24, I paid $30 for these shoes, right? And I'm like, this shoe shine is not, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. And so I had a 20, and I was like, look, but I got, I got $20 that I'm going to, to give you, so 20 bucks for uh, this shoe shine, and I'm thinking, this isn't worth it, and my, my beautiful wife is like, you know, it was worth it. You helped him out. And I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't worth it, right? My shoes don't have the value, right? Because I get to decide. I get to decide the, what it's worth. And so my, my family, we, we get done with Shoeshine Dave, and we're walking uh, the streets, and uh, we step into a, a store, and we're in this store, and all of a sudden, if you're a dad, there's a couple of things that you do. One of those is you make sure everyone in your party is still with you, and so I have an eight-year-old son, and so I'm making sure that Cade is still with me. But what I realized was Cade had spent his own money on a Lego set earlier in the day. And I realized that yellow Lego bag was no longer with us. Yeah. And so I began to process through where, where could this Lego bag uh, be, and, and Cade was having trouble that day with his shoes. And so he's like, I think I set it down when I tied my shoes. And I'm thinking, this is the streets of Chicago, and I don't know where you set this thing down. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to figure out. And, and Heather in that moment's like, it's not going to be there. It, it's, it's not worth it. And, and I didn't even listen. I just, I just took off out the door. And it was cold, and I'm in a big coat, and I'm in my nice, now clean, polished shoes, uh, running down Michigan Avenue. And I'm running the path we had been on, and I'm looking for this yellow bag. Because in that moment, it was worth it. It was worth it because as I walked out, I, I knew the disappointment my son was experiencing, right? And I knew that maybe the Lego set wasn't that expensive, but it was, it was worth it. And so 
I'm running the streets of Chicago looking for this yellow bag, and I can't find it. And I get to the last place we had been, and that was this ice cream shop. And as I'm running through, in the window is this yellow Lego bag, right? And I immediately take a selfie with my uh, yellow Lego bag, and I text it back to my family so, so Kate could see that. Because in that moment, that was worth it. The shoe shine to me wasn't worth it. But I got to decide what I felt like was most important. How do you decide? How do you decide in your life what is most important? How do you decide the value of something? How do you determine the worth of something? What do you feel is worth your time or your energy or your resources? Ultimately, the question we're going to look at today is how do you decide if following Jesus is worth it? Like, how do you make that decision? And then I would say the next step, not just following, but to completely give everything, right? Like, to surrender everything to God, not, not to hold back. How do you decide if it's worth it? Today, I'm hoping that you'll know that Jesus is better than anything else, that Jesus is better than anything else you can accomplish or receive in this world, that it's worth it to follow him with your whole life, not just part, not just a little bit, but with everything. I don't know if you ever heard the term buyer's remorse. Uh, my wife and I had been married not too long, and we had been going through financial peace. If you know what financial peace is, it's a program with Dave Ramsey. It's to get you out of debt and you spend only cash. And we're in the middle. I'm pretty sure we were in the middle of this class, and my wife and I thought this would be a great time, newly married in financial peace, to go buy a brand new car. And so we, in the middle of financial peace, uh, we go, and if you've been in financial peace, you understand how bad of a decision this was. And so we go and we drive off the lot. I don't think we ever told our class we had bought this car, but we drive off the lot. And I remember almost immediately having this buyer's remorse, just this feeling of it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. It's not going to be worth it. And there's this feeling of wanting to give it back. We're going to look at a story today of a lady who makes a decision, and I think for her, has no buyer's remorse. There's no regret at the end of this story. She believed it was completely worth it. So over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time this week, and then next week we'll look a little different, and then two weeks leading up to Easter, uh, looking at kind of these last days of the life of Jesus. Here's what I think often happens. Uh, We put a lot of emphasis at Christmas right? And we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then on the other end, in which we should do that, and we should do this, we put a lot of emphasis on what Jesus does on the cross, right? That, that he goes to a cross and he dies for you and me, and then three days later he comes back. And so there's this in-between time too that is extremely important. It, it is the life of Jesus that shows us what the kingdom of heaven looks like, that the way of doing life. And so we have these moments really in this last week in the life of Jesus that are really, really important, and I want to look at one today. It's Mark 14. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a Bible around you uh, somewhere. I would encourage you to uh, get that. That's our gift to you. Uh, If you have a smartphone, I'd encourage you to use that now as well. But Mark 14, 3 through 5, uh, I'm going to read that. I'll stop and teach a little bit, and then we'll jump back into the story. It says this. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, 
A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Now, this is one of those stories that we find in several gospels, several accounts of the life of Jesus. Uh, some give more detail. So John 12 also has this story. And we know from John 12 uh, that this is a place where Mary and Martha and Lazarus also were at. Uh, this in John 11, uh, Jesus had just uh, brought Lazarus back to life. Uh, Lazarus had died. Uh, several days goes by. And Jesus comes and he brings Lazarus back to life. And now he finds himself back with them. And he finds him in the home of a leper, himself in the home of a leper. Now, here's what's interesting to me. There's not a lot of emphasis, I think, in the story to this. Uh, but a leper is someone who would have been sent to the outskirts of town. Right? It was a skin disease. No one wanted to be around the leper. Many people thought that they had done wrong, and that's why they had this skin disease. And so they would send them outside of the village, of the town, of the community. But it meant a lot. Uh, the leper no longer had relationships with people, deep relationships. Uh, they couldn't worship. They couldn't spend time at the temple. They were completely on their own. And so we know from this story is that Jesus at some point heals this leper. But he doesn't just heal him, he then spends time with him. He not only restores his skin, but he restores his mind and his heart. He restores him back into relationships with people. And so this is where we find Jesus. And this is probably a celebration dinner, a thank you dinner to Jesus, maybe from the leper, maybe from Lazarus, from Mary, Martha, from the community. There's probably 15 people that find themselves around this table. There probably would have been a room and where the men were, and this is what it would have may have, uh, may have looked like, as it say they were reclining at a table. Um, that would be amazing if we still do that. You just lay and eat. It sounds beautiful. Uh, good food, good drinks, uh, good friends, and good conversations. This is where we find Jesus. And they're probably telling stories of what has recently happened. And then everything stops. And this is the part of the story. If this was a movie, I think everything would begin to move in slow motion. Because, because of John 12, this account, Mark doesn't say who it was, but in John 12, we know it's Mary. Uh, not the mother of Jesus, but, but a different Mary. Mary makes her way into the room. And, and I get this picture of her slowly moving among the men. And she makes her way to Jesus. And she's carrying, as the scriptures say, this bottle of perfume and she brings that to jesus and she doesn't just like pop the top of of the container it would have been in a, a a clay pot the story says that she breaks it open and the reason she breaks it open is she knows she's no longer going to need the container she breaks it open and she begins to pour it on the head of jesus now this is kind of a weird part of the story, right? This is kind of a foreign idea to us. And so what's going on? Uh, if you understand the culture of that time, uh, they didn't shower a lot, all right? Uh, they walked dusty roads. They walked everywhere they went. And so people didn't smell very good. 
And so you could see in, later in the, the story, uh, Jesus actually takes a, a pot of water and he washes his disciples' feet. And maybe you've heard that story before. Uh, but the reason that would happen is there is dust and other things that you would walk through. And so when you would enter into someone's house, they would often give you a bowl of water. And rarely ever would someone wash your feet, right? Even the lowest of servants, they wouldn't expect to wash your feet. And that's what makes what Jesus does so spectacular. But there would have been a bowl of water so you could clean your feet. And then normally, there would be a container of perfume. And, and normally what would happen is you would take just, just a drop, all right? You would, you would need just, just a little bit, and you would pour it on your, your head, and the perfume had a strong aroma to it. And so the idea was when someone would come into your home, you didn't want them to smell. You didn't want them to be worried about it. So you would provide something for them to smell better. This reminds me when I was in California, uh, I worked with a lot of surfer junior high boys. And they would surf all day in a wetsuit that if you've ever smelled a wetsuit that's been in the ocean, it, it's not very appealing. And so they would come in after surfing and they would just get dressed. So they would on the streets, they had this little thing, and they would pull their wetsuits off, and they would, they would get dressed under a towel, and they would just put their clothes back on, and they would, then they would skate. And then every week, I'd have about 20 junior high boys who would meet in my house for a Bible study. We quickly moved it to the garage, uh, but we would meet in my, in my garage. And man, there is, there is a smell of a junior high surfer, skater boy, right? They just smell. And so this is, this is the problem they would have experienced. And so there was this opportunity, there was a resource to, they would give them so they would no longer smell. And so this would have already happened. Jesus would have already had a drop of this perfume. Everyone in the room would have had this drop of perfume. But, but Mary comes and she does something significantly different. And she doesn't just take a drop of it, but she begins to just pour out everything. Right? And so... And, and you may think, what in the world would happen? Why is this significant? So as she pours it out on the head of Jesus, we see people begin to scold her. And I get the feeling that, that they didn't hold back. Right? They feel like this was a waste. Right? That what Mary had just done is she empties the bottle on the head of Jesus. Everyone says, that is a waste. Now, now, why was it a waste? Well, this perfume, as we heard, was highly costly. Uh, this wasn't a cheap perfume, and, and scholars say that this perfume probably would have been passed down for generations, right? That, that this would have been something that would have touched the hands and would have been placed on people's heads for years. And Mary, in a moment, pours it all out. Uh, the John 12 says that it would have been about 300 uh, denarii or 300 days wages. Uh, Mark says it's about a year's wages. And so just, just so we catch the significance of this, if this was today, that the median income of St. Louis County is around $63,000. So you've got low end, high end, but the median income is $63,000, which means 300 days wages would be about $52,000. Let that just kind of sink in, that if I was holding a perfume right now that valued about $50,000, that 
That's what Mary has now poured all over the head of Jesus. And I don't think she regrets it at all. Right? The, the, the rest of the disciples begin to say, what a waste. We could have at least, at the minimum, we could have at least sold it and given it to the poor. We see in John 12 that that statement is attributed to Judas. If you know the story, Judas is the one who eventually betrays Jesus. That Judas wasn't really about helping the poor, he was about the money. And what he would say is the money had more worth than the perfume and especially was valued more than what was poured over the head of Jesus. So this perfume was not just perfume. Uh, This perfume was not just something simply that was used to take away a smell. See, this perfume would have been seen as Mary and her family's security. Uh, This would have helped keep them comfortable. Because no matter what would happen, they had something that was valued as a year's wages. So when there was a need, they could sell some of it. And so this was what helped keep them comfortable. Um, This is what gave them hope. This is what kept their future secure. And Mary, in a moment, says, it doesn't matter. That that what I'm about to do as I pour it out, that's worth it. See, she doesn't see it as a waste, but as an investment. She believes that Jesus is better than all of those things. She thinks that Jesus is worth more than her security and her safety and feeling comfortable in her future. She says Jesus is better than all of that. She's telling Jesus in that moment that you're my security, that you're my hope. You're the one that I'll put my trust in. I'll get rid of this because I I know that you are going to provide for me. I don't need to remain comfortable. I can trust in you. And so I empty it out for you. In that moment, Mary is telling Jesus, I give everything to you. All of me. And the reason she can do that is because she's seen what Jesus has done. She's been following. She's been watching. She's been observing. She just saw what Jesus did in the life of her brother. And for her, he was worth it. That Jesus was better than anything else. And then Jesus speaks. Mark 14, verse 6. And he says this. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus steps in and he begins to defend Mary and defend her actions. He says, look, the poor, is always, they're always going to be around. You're always going to have an opportunity to help the poor, but I'm not always going to be here. See, Jesus, once again, Jesus continually was saying, look, I'm not always going to be around. Jesus tells the disciple, I'm going to give my life for you. I'll come back three days, but it's almost as if the disciples just never quite got it. But Mary did. Mary knew that when she was pouring the oil on the head of Jesus, yes, it was her saying, I trust you. My security is in you. My safety is in you. 
I can trust in you. She is saying all that, but she is doing more than just that. She is preparing Jesus for what he is about to do. See, this is a burial procedure that Mary does. Mary is preparing Jesus to go to the cross and die and then be put in a grave. Mary believed what Jesus had said. And so her hope was in him, not just because of what he had done, but what he would do. All her joy and peace was in not only what he had done, but what he would do. She believed her future was in the hands of Jesus. And so she's able to fully empty the bottle. She's able to let it all go because she had a proper view of Jesus. Not simply just a man, not just simply a good teacher, not someone who just kind of pointed to God, but he was the son of God, the one who would rescue and redeem her. And the only way for her to respond in that was to empty everything for him, to not hold back any area of her life, but to fully submit and surrender her life to him. Mark 14, 9 then says, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached, the good news of Jesus, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, that God makes a way through Jesus for us to be redeemed and to be rescued, that is the gospel. Jesus says every time the gospel is preached and proclaimed, you're going to hear the story of this woman. This was a significant moment in the life of the story of Jesus. And so here's what you have to understand if they only needed a little bit to help the smell, you can imagine what Jesus would have smelled like after having this poured over his head. And and I tend to believe this would have happened, according to John specifically, about a week before Jesus goes to the cross. And so quickly, he'll be going into what we know as Palm Sunday, where he rides into Jerusalem. And the thought is, as he rides into town, people would have been able to smell the aroma of Jesus. It would have been a good smell. Uh, As he goes to the Last Supper and he spends time with the disciples in the upper room, there would have been this aroma and all of it pointing towards what Jesus was going to do. But there would have been this aroma that you couldn't deny. That even as he goes to trial and he's persecuted and he's beaten, this aroma everyone would have been able to smell. And as he's being nailed to a cross and being put to death and brought down and put into the grave, this aroma would have still been there and so this last week of his life is pointing to what jesus was going to do and mary believed that mary put her hope in that her hope was not in a thing or a person her her hope was not in an accomplishment or a promotion or a cell it wasn't in a person other than jesus and so she doesn't hold back and we see that god doesn't hold back either Right, that God doesn't offer just a little bit of forgiveness through Jesus, but he completely forgives. That Jesus doesn't just give a little bit of his life, but he gives his life completely. It's this extravagant love that is put on display, that Jesus empties himself out completely, and this time he does it for you and for me. And so two quick questions just that you begin to wrestle with. Uh, One is, have you given yourself completely to God? Have you emptied yourself? Or are there things that you're holding on to? Like that you believe that Jesus is great, you you are thankful for forgiveness, but but are there things where you feel like you're better at holding on to? That you 
kind of hope in God, but man, there's just some things that you're going you're gonna to do your own thing. You're going to hope in yourself. You're going to hope in a person. Your motives, your desires, have those been impacted and changed because you have fully given your life to God? The way the world sees success. Have you been able to surrender that and to let go of that and to say, the only thing I care about is how God sees me? Your job, your career, your future, your relationships, your money, your time, your energy. Have you been able to empty yourself completely and to put your trust in God? Now, here's what I know to be true because it's been true for me in parts of my life is that we often just give a little. Right? We'll, ju- we'll just give it a, a, a little bit of it. We'll give a little bit of our life and we hope God will do something with that. But the invitation is that we would empty ourselves completely. And that it's worth it because we get to the point where we believe that Jesus is better than anything the world has to offer. And Mary comes to this point where she's able to do that, to say that. That she doesn't just speak it, but it is in her actions to, that show that she actually believes it. So, so what if God is asking you to maybe pursue something different? Uh, maybe he has a different idea for you in your future Maybe it's a different job or a different thing to pour your energy into. Maybe it's to begin to serve in a ministry you've kind of held back because you know it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something for you to give yourself in ministry here at Trinity or to serve, not even just here at Trinity, but to, to serve in some capacity in the community, right? You get to decide, is it worth it? Will you empty yourself out and say, yes, God, I I know you want me to to serve in this area or to start something. Like I've been been thinking about this this question and I've heard this asked lately. What is it that you want to fight for? Like what is it that just breaks your heart? What is a need in our local community, in your neighborhood that just, it just does something to you? And you've been thinking, man, I wish I could do something. Maybe God's asking you to do something. And it might mean emptying yourself out completely. It may mean giving some things up to be able to do that. It's going to cost, and you have to decide, is it worth it? And the only way you'll ever get to the point to say that it's worth it is if you have that proper view of Jesus. It's easier to, to, to do that when we believe that he loves us completely, that he is trustworthy, that he's good. It's easier to empty ourselves out completely for the one we believes, believe looks like that. But, but here's what's interesting. Jesus comes back. And I think that aroma is still on Jesus. That when he returns three days after being in the grave and he comes back, I think that aroma is still there. That, that people would recognize who Jesus was. And then watch this. Paul in his letter, uh, Paul was someone who writes uh, letters back to churches he helped start. And he says this to a group in Corinth. And it's in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. It says this. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. See, the aroma was on Jesus, but now Paul is saying 
Now, as a follower of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ is on you, that you carry with you the aroma of Christ. That means every room that you step into, the aroma of Christ is on you. That as you enter into your workplace, as you enter into a meeting, the aroma of Christ is on you. And what that means is that you are carrying with you the one who gives hope to every person. You carry with you the one who provides forgiveness for every person. The one who you look across from is made in the image of God, and so you carry with you the one who loves all people. And so you not only experience when you surrender completely to him a joy and a peace like no other, but you also begin to see your life differently. That you have impact because of who Jesus is and because you have given yourself completely to him. And so in every situation, you have a chance to put on display who God is. The peace of God, the forgiveness of God. Uh, Just in a transparent way, I'm going to ask that you begin to pray for me. Um, We've been in our new home for a few months. And uh, the home we left... Uh, we had some of the best neighbors that I had ever uh, experienced. And our current situation, we don't find ourselves in that place. Um, I don't think our neighbors like us, which if you know me very well, um, I tend to be a people pleaser, and I like for people to like me. And um, one of my neighbors doesn't like me, doesn't like us. He's had some problems with some of the real simple things uh, one, my dog, and I understand that one a little bit, um, uh, but there's just been some other things, and it's been hard. It's been really hard. Like, there is, a, there is a clear tension with my neighbor, and some of you have experienced that. You've, you've had maybe neighbors that it hasn't gone well with, and things have been difficult, and so uh, I, I believe that my home can be an aroma of Jesus even in my neighborhood. That, that when I interact or I respond or I don't respond, that the aroma of Jesus, the fragrance of Jesus is there. That when he attacks and he's upset and he's frustrated and I apologize, the aroma of Christ is present. That the love of Christ can be displayed in my life and in my wife's life and in my kids' lives. Right? And, and the hope is in the midst of that, that there'll be peace, that he'll experience maybe the love of God through that. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But if I have emptied myself out completely, right, if I have given everything to Jesus, then I'll just hope in him. Then I'll just trust in him to take care of things. And then I'll believe that the aroma that was on Jesus the last week of his life is on me. And that I have an opportunity. And you do too. You have that situation. You have that relationship. You have that, that thing. You fill in the blank. That maybe the aroma of Christ can be on you with a business partner. And that maybe their life could look different because you've emptied yourself out. And you've trusted in God. And he is filling your life with good. And the way we do that is because we believe Jesus is better. And we believe that it's worth it. That it's worth it to give ourselves completely to him. 
and then we invite and ask him to begin to use us. Uh, Greg's going to come and play our last song, and as he does that, I just want to give you a moment just to begin to wrestle. Uh, Maybe the idea of even accepting Jesus into your life is new. Uh, Maybe today the idea of forgiveness is new, and maybe that's the first step for you is just to begin to invite Jesus into your life and to say, God, would you forgive me? And the reason we have that forgiveness is because of what Jesus has done on a cross. And some of you have done that. Maybe you've even done that several times. But you just know there's something in your life where it's been difficult for you to give it completely to God. You've kept your hands on it, and you haven't been able to pour yourself out completely. And so maybe that's the next step for you, is that you would say, God, I've been holding back on this for security, for safety, for my future. And and Lord, I want to give it to you, and I'm going to trust in you. And then maybe for some of you, you just want to say, all right, this is the area where I have to believe that Christ is with me and that I can trust in him, that I don't have to do more than that, that I'll just take Christ with me and I'll love people as Jesus loves people. And maybe in that, things can change. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful picture of Mary giving everything to you of emptying herself out when others think it's a waste. How would you help us to even as we think about what others might think of us, people might tell us it's crazy to believe in you that much, to give everything we have to you. People will say it's crazy, Lord. Would you help us to believe that it's worth it? Would you help us to give our lives completely to you? And then, Lord, would you help us to see that the fragrance of you goes with us? That the love put on display that's changed our lives and others can see as well. We're going to trust you in those areas, Lord. We hope that lives are changed because you go with us. It's not about us, but what you could do. God, I believe this is what you've called us to. So would you help us to make that happen?